Did you know that on Fridays between hours of three and five, a third of all edibles are sold during that time frame? Uh, edibles obviously became a lot more popular during the pandemic. Now we got Om Omicron and who knows what's going to happen. So what happened was that edibles were the fourth most popular cannabis category in North America between the US and Canada and is growing faster and faster. So we're going to dive into a category performance data report from Headset and take a look uh, what's happening within that 3 billion in sales in the US uh, expected next year. So take a little bit closer report uh, on sales trends on edibles, both in the US and Canada, market share, package sizes, segments, demographics, brands, all of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So looking at the expected sales through 2022 in U.S. and Canada for edibles, expecting the edible sales to break 180 million Canadian by the end of this year and then reach a quarter billion in sales by the end of 2022. In the U.S., much larger customer base, edible sales will see total more than $2 billion this year and reach $3 billion next year, uh, growing uh, up in Canada at 39%, 28% down here in the U.S. According to Brightfield, the cannabis edibles market is going to surpass $10 billion by 2025. Maybe that's a little bit of a lofty goal, but they're saying that 62% of edibles on sh the shelf come in 100 milligram packs and that 18% of edibles are chocolate. So how does that compare against you know, other categories or whatever? Taking a look at uh, some category by market share, by country, uh, at least over the last 90 days, we can see that uh, the edible category is the fourth largest revenue share behind flower, vape pens, and pre-rolls. But in the last 90 days, edibles in the US captured twice as much market share as they did in Canada. In the U.S., edibles barely trail behind pre-rolls for fourth place, but in Canada, the vape pen category is the largest, is the next largest, uh, more than triple that of edibles. So Brightfield asked what's differentiating about edibles. Some are about packaging, so eye-catching packaging or unique flavor combinations, something that's unique, even though you know, I mentioned that chocolate-covered espresso beans don't sell, something that's um, unique for a short period of time. If you can afford to do limited release on sriracha and um, top ramen, that's kind of going to be this niche quirky thing that people are going to want to go out, especially if it's for a limited time only. But most people can't really afford to do that because it's, it's pretty expensive. So um, dosing ingestion technology is attracting those looking for a consistent edible experience. Um, accurate dosing has been a thing for a long time that people want to look at. Taking a look between the U.S. and Canada over the last half a decade, you can see that in the U.S. that edible market share has been gradually increasing over the previous few years, reaching an all-time high of almost 12% December of 2019. But they suffered early in the pandemic, dropping in market share through spring and summer of 2020. Market share in the categories rebounded somewhat, but has not uh, rebroken 11% which is contradictory to some of things that you're seeing where people weren't combusting, they weren't smoking flour, they were uh, increasing their edible use. Maybe that was because they were at home, they wanted, um, they weren't working and or they wanted something that was going to last all day. Uh, 
but maybe the market share was much, much worse. And that's just where we're at now. So a little bit uh, different than from uh, anecdotal evidence of what I was hearing. In Canada, cannabis edibles, they weren't legal until that 2.0 rollout. So it didn't hit store shelves until January 2020. So they suffered a decline similar to the US in the early COVID pandemic and has been growing steadily since, but only breaking 5%. So nearly 14% of every $100 or 14% of cannabis in Colorado was spent on edibles. On the flip side, where I'm at in Washington, that's only 8% of the market share in the third quarter. It's the lowest edible share in Washington. Maybe that's because it's uh, highly regulated. You can only have 100 milligrams. Seems pretty normal, though. 10 milligrams um, packages, but our uh, sample, 10 milligram servings, 100 milligram cap per package. That's pretty lame. I just buy RSO. Don't even deal with that because it's not enough for me. So a microdose is great for you know everyone else, but maybe Washington were heavier users. I don't know. Pennsylvania, of course, uh, even lower with 0% market share. They don't have edibles yet. Uh, Pennsylvania patients, they have to make their own edibles uh, if they want to consume in that format. So preferences towards edibles are fairly similar in Canada across all provinces, but BC is the highest share at 5.5%. Saskatchewan at the lowest, 4.3%. Fairly similar. Looking at edibles, um, chocolate used to be kind of the big thing, but chocolate melts, gummies don't. Uh, but gummies are attractive to children, so sometimes they're called chewies or taffy. I mean, there are obvious differences between gummy and taffy, but um, you have to check and make sure what they are because they may just throw a name out there just to get it through regulation. So gummies dominating that category. Cannabis candy flavors over time are interesting. You know, as you can see, um, coconut has increased uh, about 300% just in the last, you know, year. Uh, same with grape and orange. Mango is held fairly consistent. Up in Canada, they still like their chocolate at 18%. Caramels and chews and taffies are at 14%. Um, but in the U.S., those two segments are combined make around one-fifth of all sales. So additionally, you've got lodges, lodges, posages, and then gum, mints. Uh, mints are fairly popular. I think people are kind of getting away from, uh, from chocolate, I think. At least that's kind of what I'm seeing. A lot of people want to grab it and go and keep it in their car. Uh, they don't want stuff to melt, no cookies and things like that. Kind of want to eat it right away. So... Um, not as popular. I don't think, you know, cookies are 1.8%. Brownies and cereal bars, 1.2%. So plain chocolate THC is the most common, but looks like a espresso, peanut butter, toffee, mint, uh, all being eaten at some point. 6% of baked goods um, and only 1% of candies are dosed at 90 milligrams. Yeah, 90 is a, a weird, that's a weird number. I think most are like 100 or, or 10, right? So back to my comments about packaging sizes. You're going to see that um, maximum legal THC potency is very different. 10 milligram THC in Canada, 100 milligram in most of the US. Oregon is an exception with recreation limited to 50 per package, uh, which doesn't make sense at all. Uh, at least they haven't tried to limit like concentrates because I would pretty much just nullify that whole 
category, right? Um, when you look at uh, all of the edibles sold in Canada, more than nine out of 10 had 10 milligrams. So again, back to that whole soccer mom thing, getting 10 milligrams or less is kind of a microdose, in my opinion, um, but really popular. So the remainder is going to products of five milligrams or less. So it's going to be kind of the, the Bud Light equivalent, if you will. Package sizes in the U.S. edibles market are more diverse. So the vast majority are uh, being 71% per, is still the maximum available package size of 100 milligrams. There is a trend for lower dosage. So you can definitely see that as um, percentages are getting more and more uh, they're smaller. The, they got large pack size increasing while smaller sizes like five milligrams. Um, they lost share of shelf space. Okay. So they're actually saying the opposite of what I was thinking and what I've been seeing. So Brightfield group says that the dosing is uh, more towards higher dosing. So 37% want 90 milligrams. So while a hundred milligram pack size are the most common um, so other options. So 12% only have 20 milligrams, according to this report, and 40% want for relaxation. So majority want it for sleep or relaxation, stress relief. Um, the minorities want it for not minorities, the, the, the minority of consumers uh, are looking at creativity, exercise, focus and energy. That's me part of that minority group looking for euphoric, energetic, uplifting experiences throughout the day and not just looking for couch lock. Unfortunately, cannabis-baked goods have the least diversity in cannabinoid ratios. Nearly all products, 93% um, are either one-to-one -one or one-to-two. I mean, that's pretty good. I love the one-to-one -one ratio. I'm not sure how you can go wrong with that. Um, but uh, more options, the better. 24% uh, prefer uh, chocolate uh, all the way down to, you know, um, other stuff, but chocolate's still dominant. So who's buying the edibles? Uh, just based on this report, the most popular with the older customers uh, increasing um, in popularity. Females have significantly higher affinity to edibles than males. Brightfield's report says that the purchasers of edibles tend to be younger, higher educated, slightly higher income, and also more likely to have children and be a woman. Uh, so they're going to follow some type of group, maybe being a daily pain attacker, a wake and bake or a stressed out millennial uh, gummies being 41% baked goods, 33 chocolate, at 28% and then drinks at 19. In terms of brands, wild is uh, probably the most popular with gummy products. Wana just got purchased for 300 million uh, from a Canadian company. So you have multi-state distribution um, that's kind of helping out with a lot of these sales. The other one's Kiva and Smokies, uh, Sunderstorm. So it is the holidays, pumpkin spice, everything, looking at sales trends. A lot of the, the unique things out there don't really sell. Chocolate-covered espresso beans. We don't even have coffee in Washington State. Yes, you have K-cups, but there's no grab-and-go RTD ready-to-drink coffees not available. And so there's certain things that you would think would make sense, um, and they just don't sell. Lemonade sells in the summer. It never sells outside of that. You would think hot chocolate would be a big seller. It's not. Uh, pumpkin spice flavored edibles, um, probably not a big seller if you look at the data. Total edible month-over-month -month growth, negative 6% for, um, for the month of September.
but pumpkin edibles month over month growth was 107%. Maybe it came from zero. I don't know. <laughs> but for edibles to reach more than quarter billion dollars as expected by 2022 in Canada and then 3 billion in the US, they need to add more SKUs. So hopefully that we can have some more beverages like infused coffee. That would be nice. I'd like to see more options, healthier options too. I don't want to just walk into, you know, the equivalent of a handy mart and have just basically, you know, inflammation after inflammation, wheat, sugar, dairy, you know, alcohol, that's all handy marts are. Can I have like beef jerky or something that doesn't have, you know, sugar in it, um, chocolate or whatever, um, just more options. That would be nice. We can finally get to a normal market. Uh, and then maybe that 3 billion in sales will go to 6 billion because more people will go out and buy it. Cause right now, I'm not really interested in spending $20 on an infused uh, Rice Krispie treat or whatever. You know what I mean? I'll just go and buy an RSO. So looking forward to more uh, options. We did a, another podcast on healthy edibles. You have to check that out. Um, it's called Pantry. So with that. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.